Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're talking about peace activism in 2021 and looking ahead to 2022. Our guest, Greta Zaro, is organizing director for World Beyond War, where I'm the executive director. Greta previously worked as New York organizer for Food and Water Watch. There, she campaigned on issues related to fracking, genetically engineered foods, climate change, and the corporate control of our common resources. Greta and her partner also run Unadilla Community Farm, a nonprofit organic farm and permaculture education center in upstate New York. Greta Zara, welcome back to Talk World Radio. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for coming on. Um, what sort of a year has 2021 been for peace activism? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, in 2020, right, the pandemic hit. And at first, we sort of just sort of stopped everything and just tried to evaluate the situation. Um, and then we started transitioning everything to virtual events and started, you know, doing a lot of webinars. And I think in 2021, people sort of became used to the pandemic in a way. So we started seeing people, you know, doing more in-person actions, getting more sort of comfortable with safe ways to, to get out there into the real world again. Um, so we started seeing, you know, World Beyond War chapters growing again, new chapters forming. And I think people just kind of accepting this is kind of how it is for now and we don't need to stop our activism. Uh, yeah, maybe how it is for a while. We'll see. So that's good. Um, uh, I, I know that uh, World Beyond War and, and other groups we've worked with have done a lot of things, but I've got this top 10 list of, of items that World Beyond War has been involved with in the past year, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about each one. Um, uh, number 10 is the annual conference and the annual film fest that World Beyond War did. Can you talk about those? Yeah, so our No War 2021 conference was our first really fully virtual conference where we experimented with the new Hop-In platform, um, which, you know, was able to sort of elevate the online experience to more than just a webinar. But through Hop-In, we had virtual expo booths so you could visit other organizations and talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we had networking, which was like a sort of random uh, roulette where you would be paired up with different people and could talk. Um, and then, of course, more like the standard workshops, breakout rooms and panel presentations as well. So it was a really interesting platform. I think, um, you know, it enabled us to make the conference much more accessible. We had people from 33 different countries, which was kind of the most globally diverse conference ever. Um, so yeah, of course, you know, we were disappointed that we didn't gather in person, but we really saw the advantages of, of using this platform. And I think, you know, as we're looking ahead, um, you know, we're looking at potentially continuing this model of having a fully virtual conference that anyone can access from around the world. Um, yeah. And then the second piece that you mentioned was the film festival. Um, and this was our first ever virtual film festival, which was over the span of about a month or so, uh, in conjunction with the International Day of Peace. Um, and we hosted, I think, about three different films, which was showcasing different examples around the world of 
um, successful nonviolent activism against militarism um, and trying to show some positive examples too. Um, uh, for example, in Bougainville, where a civil war was stopped uh, using guitars and music and um, nonviolent means. There's a, there's a film on that topic for people who are bewildered by that last comment, right? It's, it's <laughs> Soldiers Without Guns or something like that. Is right. that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and so annual conference and first annual film festival. So these will be continuing. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, item number nine on the top ten countdown, uh, more chapters. Yeah, so we launched chapters in Afghanistan, Chile, India, Italy, and two new chapters in Canada, Steinbach and Montreal. Um, and, you know, many of these chapters were launched virtually for now um, over Zoom, uh, anticipating that we'll be able to have more in-person events in future years. Um, but, yeah, it's been really exciting to see the World Beyond War movement growing um, into different parts of the world and um, just the sense of sort of international solidarity that we're able to, to gather. And I mean, of course, this gives me joy every single day to be able to sit here and, you know, work virtually, but gather with people from all over the world and feel this this shared, you know, desire for war abolition. It, it, it really is great having people working together from across the world uh, and not isolated in one part of it with one national identity. I, I really think it's tremendous. Um, number eight, uh, working with communities on the ground around the world. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so in particular for that, and just to give context, this countdown is part of a video that we're going to be uh, unveiling next week. Um, so that one is talking about the work that we did, the solidarity work with indigenous peoples around the world this year, um, in particular highlighting four communities. Um, one was uh, the Wet'suwet'en peoples, uh, which is in kind of the western part of so-called Canada. Um, and there we had our Canada organizer, Rachel Small, who actually went there and lived uh, with the community for about two weeks. Um, and in particular, that community is protesting a fossil fuel pipeline uh, that would go through their territory um, and that would, in, you know, of course, endanger the community, uh, would threaten their water source. Um, and also we've seen, in particular, uh, a highly militarized police response from the Canadian uh, police um, towards this community. And so we're also kind of highlighting uh, the militarization that's happening um, and connecting the dots between militarism and, and climate struggles as well. So that was one example. Um, another one that comes to mind uh, was the Sinyavina campaign in Montenegro. Uh, which we've been doing a lot of solidarity work with as well. Um, and that community, which is like this really interesting pastoral community with farmers that have been living in that community for, for generations. And it's like near a UNESCO site and just this gorgeous pasture land. Um, and they were fighting uh, to block a, a military training ground uh, in the area. And they did this amazing encampment uh, for many weeks, I think many months, um, and they were able to successfully stop the construction of this military training ground. Um, and we've been, you know, uh, publicizing their efforts, gathering petition signatures, doing webinars with them, etc. And, and gave them our first annual War Abolisher Award, right? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and other communities we could go on and on, but maybe we should jump to the next item on the list, mm-hmm. uh, which is related to, to COP26, which was generally considered a bit of a disaster, but uh, some good <laughs> was done, right? Right. So COP26 was this big UN climate summit in Glasgow in Scotland in November. Um, And yeah, I mean, almost every group under the sun was trying to engage with COP26 in some way. My inbox was full of groups kind of from every angle trying to make the cross connections with climate change and, you know, X issue. Uh, And we were doing the same, trying to make the connection between climate change and militarism. And talking about the fact that the U.S. military is, you know, the number one polluter on the planet. Um, so we sent a delegation to the, to the summit for the counter protests that were happening outside of the summit. Um, and we also organized a petition, which got almost about 30,000 signatures um, and got some press attention, um, which was calling on the U.N. Uh, to include military emissions in climate agreements because just time after time, right, with the Paris Agreement, with the Kyoto Protocol, uh, military emissions are this loophole that are exempted from these agreements, despite the fact that it's one of the largest emitters. Yeah, I think this was actually something good in the way of an accomplishment that a lot more people know, at least, that that it's a problem, right, That, that militaries are not included in climate agreements, as if there's like some other planet for the militaries to destroy. Uh... We're speaking with Greta Zaro, who's organizing director at World Beyond War, and we're going through a top 10 list of items from 2021. Uh, Number six, a resources database. Right. So, you know, World Beyond War has kind of these two buckets of education and action. Um, So in our work, we try to be a hub for educational materials, number one, to debunk the myths of war, to lay out what we call the seven whys of why we need to end war, um, and then to lay out the proven strategies for nonviolence and how we can get to a World Beyond War. Um, and then the second piece is the action, which we've just sort of been talking about with the protests and the petitions and kind of making this change in different communities. Um, but in terms of that education piece, we've always wanted our website to be this hub for people to be able to come to and find anti-war resources, specifically through the, the war abolition lens. Um, and so we've always had a bunch of resources, but this was on our to-do list for years to really compile them into this searchable database. And we finally did it. Um, this is one of my you know, favorites of the list, actually. Um, and now it's this comprehensive uh, database where you can search by topic area, you can search by resource type. Are you looking for a book, a film, a report, an article, a graphic, etc.? And we have over 1,000 entries uh, in the database. And, and people can find that at worldbeyondwar.org? Yep, worldbeyondwar.org slash resources. Excellent. Uh, number five, uh, also educational, I think, research-related, a, a report on military bases. Right. So of our different pillars that we work on, um, closing military bases is one of our top pillars, uh, one of our primary campaigns, which Leah Bolger, our our board president, has really been heading up that campaign. 
Um, and we see it as a primary focus because this network of military bases around the world is like literally propping up, you know, militarism and imperialism. It's the literal infrastructure that's kind of keeping the war machine going. Um, and we especially note that the U.S. military has 95% of all foreign military bases, which is something like 800 bases on all seven continents. Um, so this was a massive research project that Leah worked on. Pat Deppin is a researcher that we hired as well. Um, and David Vine, who's you know a leading voice of the bases, uh, anti-bases movement, was also part of this research project to compile this, this comprehensive report on the impact of U.S foreign military bases, which was then published by the Quincy Institute, um, which we were super excited that, that they took it up and published it, and they made a short video about it as well, and um, yeah, it's just really a, a leading resource on this topic. It it's occurs to me, it's funny how the U.S. is always pushing all these other countries to spend more on weapons, but it's never demanding that they build their own foreign military bases, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess nobody has figured out how to sell a foreign military base as a package. Um, <laughs> number four, uh, a, a youth network and a youth-related uh, online course slash activism course. Uh, what are those about? Yeah, so number one, we launched the World Beyond War Youth Network, uh, which is a space specifically for youth um, under the age of 30 um, to have really a youth-centered space where um, they can gather and, and talk about, you know, issues that are most relevant to them um, and kind of devise their own actions. Um, and they have their own website um, and they have their own board uh, and are really kind of leading uh, what they want to do as a collective. Um, and it's really great to see it's, you know, it's not just the U.S., right? It's this global network as well. So again, kind of highlighting uh, international solidarity through that. Um, and then, relatedly, another youth-led project that we've been working on this year is the Peace, Education, and Action for Impact program, uh, which we've spearheaded along with the Rotary Action Group for Peace. And this was a massive undertaking um, that our education director, Phil Gittens, has been working on for uh, probably over a year at this point. Um, and it was a three-and-a-half-month project, uh, which involved first an online course which was delving into you know, different methods of peace building and giving a foundation peace education. Um, and then following the online course, it was a peace project where the students you know, put that knowledge into practice in their communities. And this involved 12 different countries around the world um, to come up with these peace projects in their area, very unique to their context uh, and where they were able to kind of put into practice the, the principles uh, that they learned through the online course and the principles of World Beyond War's alternative global security system uh, and work in their communities to kind of bring about this change. And I think we're going to be making a website at some point highlighting what these groups have done all over the world so people know what the course is about uh, when we do it again, right? Absolutely, yeah. We plan to do this again next year and to have a map where you can click on each country and see the projects that they've done and photos and videos and all of that. And, and I think, although everything can't fit in a list of 10 things, uh, World Beyond War has done tons of other online events, including online courses. And, and the next one, starting in January, coming out of COP26, is about war and the environment, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is something that's very unique to World Beyond War is these online courses, which tend to be about six weeks in length. Um, that really delve into different topics. So we have the one coming up you mentioned on war and the environment and looking at the military's impact on climate. Um, And then we have other courses on war abolition, which kind of go through the talking points of, um, you know, how can we abolish the war system? How do you talk with other people about the need to abolish the war system? Um, We have a 101 and a 201 on that. Um, And then we also have Leaving World War II Behind, based on your book, uh, Debunking the Myths of World War II. So we have all those courses coming up in 2022. And I think, yeah, I think it really is a unique offering that we bring to the anti-war movement and people... You know, sometimes militarism and, and foreign policy and war can feel like this huge concept. And people sometimes say, like, I don't have the, the talking points to, to talk about these issues with my friends. So I think these courses really help to give people kind of that, that material that they can pull up to bring these issues to their communities. I, I hope so. I know you've managed to find a lot of good volunteers to work on other projects uh, who came out of uh, the students who took this, these courses, right? So, and these are for young people, old people, any kind of people. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we've got three items left on the top ten list. Uh, number three <laughs> is related to the International Criminal Court. Uh, what happened? Did they actually uh, convict a, a, a warmonger of some kind? Well, yes, so the International Criminal Court was investigating U.S. war crimes in Afghanistan, and Trump imposed these sanctions on the ICC. Um, And then actually very few groups were speaking out on the issue. World Beyond War was one of the lone voices, uh, and we created a petition which garnered over 10,000 signatures calling on the U.S. to lift these sanctions. And amazingly, um, U.S. President Biden responded uh, and did lift the sanctions on the ICC. So this was a great victory. Wonderful. First step now to, to get the U.S. To, to join the ICC and uphold right. <laughs> the rule of law. Um, uh, number two, and this is a project that you've been taking a lead on, Greta, uh, divestment. Uh, how's, how's divesting from the war machine going? Right. So divestment along with bases, those are kind of our two pillar action campaigns, um, which we also see divestment as a, as a critical campaign because it's about withdrawing the money that is propping up the war system and it can be done on so many different levels on the personal level looking at where you bank and where you put your retirement funds um, kind of scaling up from there looking at the institutions that you're involved with um, universities your employer unions places of worship and then scaling up from there looking at municipalities um, city pension funds operating budgets state pension funds etc um, and so, yeah, we, we're working with a lot of partners, particularly Code Pink and other organizations in what's called the Divest from the War Machine Coalition. Um, and we kind of work on this uh, on different city levels and form these mini coalitions. In, uh, in Chicago, we have a Divest Chicago Coalition. In Philadelphia, Divest Philly, etc. And this is sort of a model we've been replicating around the world. Um, and yeah, we had this big success this year with a divestment of the city of Burlington, Vermont, which divested its pension fund from weapons. Good progress uh, for Burlington, which has uh, F-35s uh, <laughs> using the airport, right? 
Yes, that's that's another issue that our board member, John Ruer has been working on for years is the F-35. And as some people might know, you know, in Canada, we're working on a campaign to oppose the purchase of fighter jets, um, which looks like it might be the F-35. So that's part of our work, too. And kind of coming back to this theme we've been discussing of international solidarity and the ways that activists around the world can um, join together with similar struggles and say, hey, you know, we have this issue in Burlington. Now we might be facing this issue in Canada. How can we kind of come together in a unified way? So we've been trying to facilitate those connections through different webinars and events. Yeah, the F-35 problem is all over the place, um, w which relates to item number one, uh, insert drum roll here, <laughs> uh, blocking weapons shipments. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, so I think this is one of the most dramatic actions of the year. Um, this was led by Rachel Small, our Canada organizer, as well as numerous allies in Canada, uh, Labor Against the Arms Trade in particular. Um, and this was in particular for the January 25th a Day of Action uh, in support of the people of Yemen against the Saudi-led war on Yemen. Um, and it was drawing attention to the complicity of Canada in the war. Um, specifically, Canada is producing uh, different weapons um, and armored vehicles, uh, which are then shipped to Saudi Arabia. So in this particular action, Rachel and others did this sort of very dramatic action where they actually literally blocked the trucks that are carrying these weapons. Um, and this was up in Ontario, I believe. Um, and then those trucks come down actually into the U.S. Uh, and then go to the port of Baltimore and then are shipped overseas to Saudi Arabia. So they were able to, to block the, the trucks temporarily and it garnered international headlines, I think, more than we realized it would. Uh, and we got a spot on Democracy Now! So we were really excited about the attention that it garnered and really, you know, elevating this issue so people are aware of Canada's complicity in this war. It, one of uh, several dramatic actions since we got a Canada organizer, I think, and, uh, and, and there seems to be a growing global uh, solidarity and information sharing among people both trying to block weapons shipments and trying to shut down weapons fairs, weapons bazaars, right? Right, yeah, so the notion of weapons fairs was kind of a, a theme. I didn't touch on it earlier, but that was a theme in our No War 2021 conference. And yeah, showing that this is also a shared struggle, that we have this huge um, North America's largest weapons fair in um, Ottawa, Canada. And there's this huge weapons fair in London, and there are weapons fairs in Australia. And again, kind of connecting the dots and, and showing how these weapons fairs are, are propping up this larger war system and, you know, where are these weapons going and kind of showing that whole thread, you know, we called it unraveling the war machine. Um, and there's been a new coalition actually coming together sort of as a result of some of those connections. There's a new global coalition against the arms trade and against arms fairs. Well, it's a pretty great top 10 list. Uh, didn't even mention that World Beyond War received the uh, U.S. Peace Award of 2021, which is not not very easy to see on the radio, but if you go to the website, talkworldradio.org, you can, uh, on the video version of this show, you can see it on the wall right behind me. Um, 
uh, Greta, what about the, the, the peace movement in general? Are we making progress? It seems some wars are down, some bombing campaigns are down, troops out of Afghanistan, finally, but military spending up all over the place, including the biggest military spenders like the United States. Um, public awareness, pretty good. People don't want wars, but kind of shaky. Some people do. I mean, what? where are we, and, and what plans are you making for next year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm very hopeful. I mean, just the list we went through, and that's only a small sampling of what we've been doing. Um, I think that shows that we are making a lot of progress, that there is a lot of activity, um, and yeah, a much more increased awareness of all of these conflicts and the network of military bases. I think you know we're seeing these issues start to, to push through into the into the more mainstream dialogue, and especially as you said with um, the war in Afghanistan, um, we saw a lot of kind of mainstream news covering that and, and revealing how messy and, and that situation was and we shouldn't have been there in the first place. Like we started seeing some of that dialogue pushing through into the mainstream in a way maybe we haven't seen before. Um, so that gives me hope. Um, and yeah, coming up, well, we're organizing a lot as always, but in particular, the two things that I've been kind of gearing up for in 2022 are our conference, No War 2022, um, which, you know, we're still kind of in the planning stages, but I'm exciting, excited about these current conversations to kind of um, show this dual, uh, what I call resistance and regeneration, to show people around the world who are resisting militarism, but who are also regenerating in the sense that they are creating a positive alternative in their community, reimagining, you know, what the world can look like. Um, and I think this is especially relevant in this kind of COVID era, uh, where there's these discussions of, you know, how can we build back better? So I think we're looking at that as a potential conference theme of highlighting this resistance and regeneration. And that would be in July. So stay tuned for details on the conference. Um, and, and the second thing that I've been organizing around um, is our film festival. We mentioned we did our first ever film festival this past year. We're gearing up for another one. Um, this time would be in March. And the theme is going to be around water, which is a really interesting theme that I'm excited about because March is World Water Day on March 22nd. Um, and looking at the intersections and the impact of militarism on water. Militaries... Uh can't say notoriously because people don't really know, but militaries being huge polluters of, of water, not just where they fight the wars, but in the, the homelands that they supposedly are fighting all the distant wars for, right? Exactly, yeah. The U.S. military is among the top three polluters of U.S. waterways. Incredible. Um, it, it, it also seems that there's increasing talk of risk of major new wars in hotspots like Taiwan, like Iran, uh, other sanctioned countries, and, and Ukraine in particular. Um, I, I, I guess continuing to support the people in Montenegro who are opposing a NATO military base is one way that will be uh, opposing NATO expansion. Um, but we may need some focus on, on some of these hot spots, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. depending. 
Yeah, and that, again, it kind of comes to full think? circle with this theme of international solidarity and, and World Beyond War's work of building this global network because in many ways I think what you're getting at is this notion of kind of unpacking the other and in so many ways in U.S. mainstream media and Western media in general, Russia, China, Iran, um, are othered and um, you know sort of demonized and and so that's what we've been doing with our webinars with the peace education and action for impact program which included a team from Russia and Ukraine um, to humanize them and to work with them and to kind of show this notion of people-to-people diplomacy where we can work together and and build solidarity and show that we're all human and in the end of the day we all want peace. Extremely well said. We've been speaking with Greta Zaro, who is Organizing Director for World Beyond War, uh, who also, though we haven't had time to talk about it, uh, runs a community farm and a nonprofit uh, permaculture education center, uh, the Unadilla Farm in upstate New York in the United States. Uh, Greta Zaro, thank you for everything you've been doing, and thank you for coming on Talk World Radio. Thanks so much, David. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.